This show is brought to you by Whatever You Say Productions, starting conversations since 2018. Hi, welcome and welcome back to episode 9 of Microscope. I am your usual host. Actually, I think I've been on every episode. (laughs) Maybe because this show is named after me, but this is Mike from Microscope. And today we have a special introduction. What is good? This is Kevin, now also from Microscope. (laughs) Happy to have joined y'all here. Yeah, so as Sam alluded to, oh no, we like straight up said... We're like, hey, like Kevin's gonna be on the episode next week, or no? Kevin's like a new host now, and we told all of you, and hopefully you're as excited as I'm as excited, and I don't know, Kevin, are you excited? Pretty excited. Okay. Let's go. Like on a scale of one to ten, you're like a six. Man, no, like <laughs> listening to a bunch of podcasts, I've always had it kicking around in the back of my mind. That'd be a fun thing to be a part of, but. Now it's been facilitated for me, uh, thanks to the great people at Whatever You Say Productions, really holding it down from the back end. Like, this is really <laughs> taking it off for me. Oh, God. I, he, he's already doing a better job than I have. <laughs> but so today we want to talk or like just talk to you all about something that I hold near and dear to my heart because I know every Friday – I need to leave and go, you know, consume copious amounts of alcohol. Mm -hmm. And by copious, I mean, like, you know, have like a drink or two because I'm an adult and I know how to take care of myself. Absolutely. (laughs) Right? But so we want to talk to you all about how does climate change or how will climate change affect beer and beer production? And I think, Kevin, do you want to, like, introduce the study? So definitely, um, we got on this because Mike found this totally sweet paper that looked at just that. So we kind of have talked about in earlier episodes um, using climate change models to affect how um, rising CO2 concentrations in the atmosphere will affect global temperature and drought and things. But you can go ahead and turn around and use those same kind of models to predict how that warming and drought will affect specific agricultural products. And the agricultural product most pertinent in beer production is definitely barley. So this um, paper entitled, Decreases in Global Beer Supply Due to Extreme Drought and Heat. Oh my God, did you say decreases beer supply? Vast decreases, troubling decreases. (laughs) So I think what that means is, you know, We all like our fancy-ass beer, but all that fancy-ass beer is going to be natty ice. We'll have to water it down so there's enough to go around. (laughs) That would be luxurious at that point. (laughs) Well, beer is already, like, a luxury thing, you know, because I feel like I go and I definitely, I mean, this just shows you where, you know, the poor people in the room. But, like, when I look at a menu, the first thing I look at is price. Mm -hmm. Like, especially at a drink menu, I'm like... You know, like, I would prefer to exclusively drink cocktails, but cocktails fucking $10, and I know, like, a mm-hmm. beer will go longer and last longer. Yeah. But, so, yeah, back back onto the topic of barley. But, so, I've actually made bar or beer before. That's true. That's the truth. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I've, I've made beer before, actually, with um, my old postdocs, or one of, well, she's a friend, her husband, John... This is a shout out to John. 
They're from France. Oh my god, oh, they're like the go. greatest yeah. French fucking people ever. That, yeah. I love them. But so we we made beer together, and barley is like the main component of beer. It's what actually gets fermented. So it's the food that the bacteria eat within beer and essentially poop out alcohol. Exactly. So it's like a very very important. Yeah, just eating microbe poop when you go get sloshed at the bar. We, well. You ask me, literally everything you eat gets digested by bacteria, and you eat the poop. Exactly. Like we, we at the we end of the day, we're all a bunch of poop eaters. Yeah. <laughs> poop microbes. Micro-poop eaters. Quite subservient. <laughs> uh, so, okay, back to the study. So, this group from the China Center of Agricultural Policy, in particular... Wei Shi and who is the final author? Stephen J. Davis. Stephen J. Davis. And where is he from, actually? Let's see the affiliations here. He's in the Department of Civil and Environmental Engineering in California, Irvine, California. So, yeah, this study came out from Shui and Davis, or mm-hmm. D- uh, Shui and Several Davis. Several other authors. But and, like, yeah, tons of other authors because. Science is done by a group of people yeah. who are it's all very smart, and you should person trust them. Going behind it, yeah. whatever. This isn't the day to talk about why people should trust experts in the field. <laughs> Listen to us. <laughs> Listen to our podcast. <laughs> so what this group did, right? They were like, "Hey, a lot of people have been coming out with all these studies about like how climate change is going to affect coffee or chocolate or like all these other things that we consider to be luxuries." But this group was just like, what about beer? Like, that's what, you know, Joe Schmo at ho- home is, like, drinking on a couch and definitely cares way more about than that fancy dark chocolate cookie you're eating. So yeah. <laughs> that got really Perfect. directed. That was showing, not telling. That's what you want in spoken word. I had a very directed tone right there, and <laughs> apologize. apologies. But so what they did is they, they took – I don't know. I think I texted you when I was reading this. I was like, yeah, this, this is, is a so really cool. good study. Yeah. Like, I, I think, you know, the last study that Sam and I talked about, that was a very good study as well, the one about intergenerational teaching. But this one was as well, like, they took so many things into consideration and, like, really when we tell you what they found – Yes, you should take it for a grain of salt because we're, you know, podcasters. <laughs> or you should read the paper and actually understand how they did this and, like, they took everything into consideration. So, Kevin, tell us a little bit about how they went about this. So, what I liked, one of the things I liked most about it was they started off um, at a point um, in a way of saying this. These are the different kind of scenarios we may be facing in climate change. And so there's a very best case scenario and a very worst case scenario. And the way that they define those different scenarios is that in the best case scenario, um, so we talked about in past episodes how um, carbon dioxide concentration in the atmosphere um, will directly correlate with um, global warming. And or so, how how much the mean temperature increases. Right, yeah. yeah. And so they showed that what if our carbon dioxide output peaked between the years 2010 and 2020? 
that's the best case scenario, and it's getting less and less likely that that's the scenario. <laughs> are we even still on track for that anymore? We're in 2019. <laughs> I know. We are. Then oh, it goes. Wait, what if? Fuck. Yeah, it's 2019. <laughs> I forget about that a lot too myself. Jesus Christ. Yep. Um, but what if we um, stopped it from going any higher between 2020 and 2040? What if we didn't make it? What if we didn't have that peak output year until somewhere between? 2040 and 2060 or past 2060 in the worst case scenario and so they took all of those different scenarios and ran them through models based on previous um, environmental data about the places where barley grows and the two biggest factors that will affect how well barley can grow which are temperature and precipitation from there they looked at um I think it was like 1981 to 2010 yeah i think all those previous the, like the references were every all that information or the historical data mm-hmm. from 1981 to 2010 yeah and from there they looked at years in which there were events where there was a drastically hotter year or a drastically hotter season that year or a season that had drastically uh less um uh, precipitation than another year um, and they put those together and kind of outlined, well, what if global carbon dioxide um, percentages in the atmosphere continue to rise for a given amount of time? Yeah. How would that play out in each of those scenarios? And I think I'd just like to try and explain that one more time. Not that you did a bad job at all, but just, I don't know, when I was reading it myself, I was like, fuck, what is going on? I had to, like, draw images. Like, yeah. It, so yeah, that's why this we is, have to do that when we're yeah, reading papers. Like this, we really like that. This is a good study because of almost how complicated it is. Because when they actually came up with their starting data to build the model out of, they took everything into consideration. So first, right, like how – okay, this is going to be my attempt at trying to explain <laughs> this. <laughs> but so first they looked at currently, right, where do we grow barley? And then from there they looked at how the climate – was in the past within those regions. So you're right, you know, we haven't been growing barley in the same places for hundreds of years, right? So they looked at how climate has been in the past within these current regions. And then they looked at sort of the prevalence of how frequently, uh, or then they looked at how the climate change models will cause temperatures in these regions to change over the courses, over the course of the next, um, how long did they measure? Oh, they all the way up to 2099. Yeah. So over the next 90 years, they looked at sort of like how barley or regions in which we currently grow barley will be affected by climate. So I, I want to quickly point out that all this historical data was only based in the spring seasons because that's when garley or Garley, you know, Garley yeah, is so barley. gnarly. Yeah. No, that's when barley. Um, it's a spring. It's a cool season, sort of. Is it grass? And it's not a vegetable. It's not a fruit. I what am else? not a. What do you call that? What's someone who? It's not a herbologist. What is the name for that? An a agri- plant biologist. Agriculturologist. <laughs> agriculturalist. We are microbiologists. Yeah. <laughs> This just goes to show how pigeonholed you really get when you get into a specific science or even a PhD program. But also, we can talk about a lot of different things.
things. Yeah, being scientifically literate is pretty independent yeah. of um, what specific science you study. So, okay, some of the one of the big key things that they found with their model in these different sort of climate scenarios was that they're well, I'll put it to this bluntly. They definitely found that there was definitely a relationship in each of these models. So, or in each of these scenarios, best case scenario and worst case scenario, that both the prevalence and magnitude of sort of like extreme weather events that will affect barley production will definitely occur in any of these scenarios. Mm -hmm. So sort of, you know, pulling back out, what does that mean for you? Beer is gonna be less and it's gonna be more expensive. And the difference uh, between the best case scenario and the worst case scenario in terms of these number of extreme weather events, again, these extreme events could be a really hot day or a really dry day and the number or of- Or like a long, like a drought. Yeah, like a prolonged period, period of uh, low precipitation. In the best case scenario, that was gonna happen like 17 times per year. In the worst case scenario, 139 times per year which if the barley growing season is more than 90 days which i'd assume it's not that means there might be some years where it's impossible to grow barley at all which accounts for the vast decrease in the um, total beer consumption and the increase in the price of said beer wait i'm just trying to think about that right now so in the worst fucking case scenario... Yes, this is we don't curb carbon emissions till well after 2060. So in that worst case scenario, the weather becomes so bad, we can't grow barley, and the only thing I have is the stuff that's been sitting in my fridge? Assuming that the wow. barley growing season is probably vastly less than 139 days each year. It's definitely less than 139 days. Yeah. I think I was reading about it because I got like super into like the science of growing barley for yeah. a hot second and i think i saw like if you plant a seed of barley within 50 days it's harvestable wow yeah so i mean you know think about all the beer that they make they're probably you know producing a fuck ton of barley but still think about it 139 days a year you can't grow barley and 200 days a year you can't grow barley for other Just because reasons it's not in season this is not yeah. in season i don't know what's the math 200 plus that's 339 that's 30 days a year like you know average yeah. I'm, I'm so good at doing mental math in my yeah head. this is why we went into <laughs> biology and not physics <laughs> or anything super math related i couldn't use excel for um but yeah so that's like 30 days a year that you could grow barley this is also based in, you know, between 2010 and 20. Mm -hmm. So I think that scenario plays out by like 2080. Yeah, this is if carbon emissions are not, um, have not peaked before 2060 or 2080 or something. Like I that. think this is where I'll like step in and sort of like tell everybody. So I'm a self proclaimed bad person. I think we're all bad people. Um, I just don't lie about it. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's the first step. <laughs> first step is admitting it. Um, but so I, I do honestly think that humans are going to get their shit together. Like, do I think it's going to be as quickly as we need it to be? No. Yeah. But I do think that we'll pull, we'll pull our shit together and we will definitely be able to sort of like 
reduce the effect we've had on climate. The yeah. magnitude of that, that's a different story. How much yeah. we'll be able to is, I, I can't tell you, but I will, we will. I. And that's exactly why they have these different scenarios in these type of yeah. papers. Like we read a couple papers now that use this same metric of having the, what if we curb it by 2040? What if we curb it by 2060? Um, just because there is that level of uncertainty. Mm -hmm. But yeah, ultimately the um, really requirement is that at some point carbon emissions are reduced. Uh, yeah. And so here's the thing about reducing carbon. It's not so much we're sucking carbon out of the atmosphere. We ourselves are becoming carbon neutral. So we're not putting any more in. Mm -hmm. That's the goal. So you can still fly your plant. Well, geez. You can still fly your planes. You can still eat your burgers. But the carbon dioxide produced by those are not being produced in other places or being consumed yeah. in other places. Offset. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Through. Yeah. I mean, I'm a meat eater. I fucking love cheeseburgers. And I mean, really, to be honest, I think I like French fries more than I like the actual cheeseburger. But who doesn't like fried yeah, potatoes? Um, okay, we are so off topic. <laughs> 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 that's okay right so okay getting back to this right so worst case scenario beers fucked best case scenario beers sort of fucked yeah it goes <laughs> it doesn't go nicely in any of the scenarios it doesn't right but even the best case scenario but you know that's just the way it is but so then extrapolating this right so that that all had to do with production of barley right so barley being one of the key ingredients beer so if you don't make enough barley to produce beer right what does that mean in terms of how many days a year we won't be able to grow barley mm -hmm. and because of that if we extrapolate that or well they did that let me give them credit i didn't do shit yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i did a google search um but so in the best case scenario and in the worst case scenario, scenario, total barley yields will either decrease by either 3% in the best case scenario or 17% in the best case scenario. And I also want to point out that barley isn't solely produced just to make beer, mm -hmm. right? It has other purposes. So... Yes, 17% decrease doesn't seem like a lot, but not every single kernel, it's probably not kernels. <laughs> I don't know. Flour, yeah. I don't know. Flour of barley is used to make a beer, mm -hmm. right? So so they did kind of take that and try to translate into what does that mean specifically for beer? And if we're looking at that, what was it, 4% in the best case scenario? If we're looking at that. 3%. 3%. Oh, you're off by a whole percent. Oh, shit. <laughs> Depends on what our standard deviation was. <laughs> if we're going down by that 3% in the best case scenario, that translates into beer in billions of liters, which I can never get liters to gallons right on for our American friends listing. <laughs> They're fucked. You, you do the math yourself. Yeah. <laughs> But in billions of liters, that accounts for a decrease in 1.08 billion liters of beer produced in the United States alone. Um, and then worldwide, it looks like just doing quick mental math looks like probably about four, um, four and some change billion liters of beer lost per year. Take that in the worst case scenario, however, uh. we're looking at a decrease between the US and China of like eight 
billion liters of beer less. Imagine you yourself had to give up 8 billion liters of beer per year. That's what you're looking at in the worst case scenario um, climate change model just between the US and China. Uh, when we look at the other countries they listed on there, it inflates more to like 12, um, 12 to 14 ish uh, billions, uh, billions of liters. I'm surprised of beer Germany drinks less beer than the US and China. Well, that graph is showing that Germany would have a less, um, less of a decrease in beer production than the U.S. and China. Again, well, weighted right, by their right. barley by production, yeah, and yeah. how much they consume themselves versus export. That was another really cool aspect of this paper was how it brought the global economics of the situation um, into it quantitatively as well, not just looking at the the climate models but also global economic models about how barley is imported and exported by different countries and how beer is imported and exported by different countries and how more importantly how beer is consumed by different countries so i will say if you like beer and in the next 30 years you still want to drink beer and be fine with it you either have to move to canada the czechs republic or argentina Based on this figure, yeah. those look like the only... Oh, well, I guess Netherlands pretty good. Oh, yeah. And again, depends how bad it's going to get. Yeah, that's if it, true. In the very worst case scenario, you want to be in... Yeah, Argentina. <laughs> in the worst case scenario, Argentina. Or Canada. Or Japan. Yeah. I don't know. That's almost double what Argentina is. Yeah, no, Argentina or Canada. Yeah. All right. So that's just in terms of like total beer available, right? So that's the amount you could go out and drink. But if that beer is going to cost you $20, like that's another hindrance towards your ability to drink it or well, yeah. your ability to have access to it. And right, that was another thing that they took into yeah. consideration was this like the was really actual cost of it. Yeah. So in the best case scenario, right? Best case scenario beer cost will only go up by zero to 50%. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it may go up by nothing or it may, you know, not double in price, what's 50%? Like, go up by 50%, 50 yeah. of what it currently is. So that's not bad. I mean, right, like if I had to pay five, well, okay, so like $5 for a PBR and a yeah. shot, Although I don't drink that. Where I don't do know why. Go? Where do you go to get that deal? <laughs> I want to go to that happy Wait, hour. really? Yeah. Do they not have that out here? I don't know. I guess I just don't go out enough anymore. That, that's a thing, at least in Brooklyn, where yeah. like you would go and give for five do $5. Yeah. Beer of PBR and like a well shot of whiskey or something. At um, Pizza Place Spinelli's right here used to have the ham job. You get a hams and a shot of Fireball and a piece of pizza for like six bucks. Really? Yeah, that was the deal. That sounds like... Fucking gross. So imagine paying $12 for that in a moderate climate change scenario. <laughs> how they should have put this for the, the common people like us. But, okay, so that was in the best case scenario. There would only be a 50% increase. But here's where things get frightening, okay? So in the worst case scenario, right, the cost of your beer could either double, go up by 100%, or... Go up by six hundred and fifty-six percent. 
What? So imagine paying for a six pack. Uh, you would pay for one beer, which you now pay for a six pack, essentially. Well, so I want to do that math. So, like, on average, a beer or uh, a six pack of beer costs like ten dollars. Sure. If you have to get like I don't know Heineken. Yeah. Whatever. If we multiply that by six, oh no, that would be. It would be. Nine times six point two six. Wait, am I doing that right? Yeah. <laughs> That's not right. I'm that. That's not right. <laughs> Wait, five times nine times six point two six. Uh huh. No, no, no. That was point six two six. Nine times six point two six. Sorry, I'm trying to do this on the calculator <laughs> on my computer. It's not working really well. Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. So, yes. taking a poll that I'll never find the results to, but how many of you, if you were to buy a six pack of Heineken, Heineken would pay fifty six dollars for that? Yeah, that's what they are predicting in the worst case scenario um, carbon emissions curbing um, model, basically. I kind of feel crazy. I feel like we're talking about like apocalyptic situations. Like fifty six dollars for like, yeah. Shit, is that is that like? I would agree. Those will be apocalyptic that's, situations that's an in apocalyptic this worst case um, carbon emission curbing. I mean, like also here's the other thing you need to take into consideration, right? Like, if we get to the point where we're not producing any beer or any barley to make beer, mm-hmm. globally, there's like far worse things going on. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, we're hypothetically, you know, if there's enough fucking water to go around to make beer. Yeah. You could have Ooh, yeah, they your $56 yeah. Heineken. But, yeah. yeah no, with so. the water complications, make that a fucking $120. Yeah. <gasps> we found out one of their one of the flaws of the study. Yeah, they could. Oh, my God. Yeah, water. We are not experts in this field. <laughs> <laughs> we I'm came sure, to that conclusion. I'm sure because there's been a million and a half studies on water security. That's a huge, huge issue that's really getting looked at with a lot of scrutiny right now obviously for these same reasons heat and precipitation modulations because of carbon emissions as that changes water security will change in much the same way that the um, security of the ability to produce these agriculturally relevant um, crops and plants will also change and they need water themselves right it all all of nature relies on everything else and so Putting that all We're like a big, nice really cycle. Yes. Oh, biogeochemical. <laughs> that we are <laughs> fucking up immensely oh my. every well, passing moment. I, I will say that we didn't know about it. We didn't know how bad up to a point, and then we did, and then you the people totally who knew did. that didn't fucking do anything about it. I would argue it's been That's the issue. close to 50 to 80 years. Oh, yeah, no, definitely, yeah. definitely, definitely. But when we refer – like, so all this started because of the Industrial Revolution. Right. I'd say during that time, nobody knew. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, when they started yeah, studying right it, after, they were like early twentieth century. They're like, like right after. Oh fuck! Oh yeah. And then those guys were just like, or girls. I mean, probably men. It was point. men. It was, it was white men. Like, was, let's yeah. be real. With yeah. It. yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're scientists. We're, we're fa- facts. <laughs> facts. <laughs> facts. Those fucking white men <laughs> were just like. Oh, you mean I can't buy my ten houses and have I don't know yachts, immense luxuries. Yachts, yeah, just, just 
push that to the side. So, okay, that got really dark. All right, so wait, we're getting back. I'd say, you know what? I'm going to give a round of applause to Kevin for his first episode. (laughs) I feel like we had a good time and it was a good time and a great time. Like, I think... Poetic. Not really. (laughs) Not even close. (laughs) But so, like, I think hopefully you all learned a lot and, like, I had a good time recording this. But, so... At the end of the episode, you know, we finish off with sort of how can you at home like help save beer and barley or like help save the environment. And I think this is something that is super easy to do. I think this is like the easiest way we've come up for you at home to sort of like help combat climate change. And it's like two key things. The first is that when you go buy alcohol, make sure that you're buying containers that are either aluminum or glass. Mm -hmm. Like I know there's a lot of people who buy like cheap alcohol in plastic or like those margarita mix things that come in the plastic or things like that. Yeah, just remember that that everything that's made out of plastic is made out of uh, fossil fuel essentially and you're releasing in the processing and production of those products you're releasing carbon dioxide into the atmosphere so any kind of throughout the whole supply chain from extracting the raw materials to the production to the shipping and um, handling of all that anything um, in that whole supply chain that will uh, release carbon dioxide into the atmosphere is not being carbon neutral or not being green per se Um, so yeah really choosing the packaging material based on um, not only that it's not made out of carbon products, but that it is recyclable. Is yeah, can thing. definitely be recycled and can definitely be reused. Mm-hmm. That's one. The other thing is that when you know you're going out for cocktails with your friends, or you're like late at night and you're like, oh, can I just have like a seltzer or a you know a Tito seltzer with two limes? It's not my. Go-to. That's not that's my not your, go-to not your drink. Go-to. It sounded so fluid. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I knew exactly what I wanted to order. Yeah. Um, but ask the bartender not to put that little plastic straw in there. Yep. And same reason those plastic straws made of the same material. Cutting out those kind of things would be immense. But yeah. again, it's really about consumer choice to the degree that we can exercise that and make these kind of decisions for ourselves like really pushing you know the markets in that way that will necessitate not relying on these fossil fuel based uh, commodities yeah exactly so i'd like to thank you all for tuning in thank you hope to see you in two weeks two weeks that's well not special. see you listen to you or you'll listen to you'll us. you'll listen to us <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> it's vicarious. Listen vicariously through you. I'm going to listen vicariously to my own podcast through you. Podcast exactly. Inception. <laughs> well, I'd like to thank you all for tuning in. And as always, my name's Mike, and thank you. And I'm Kevin. Thank you guys for having me here, and y'all enjoy. Thank you for listening to Microscope, presented by Whatever You Say Productions. Learn more at microscopepodcast.com. That's M-I-K-R-O-S-C-O-P-E-P.
podcast.com.